Father, uh, we do thank you tonight for the opportunity to gather together and Lord, to open up your word and allow you to speak to our hearts. God, what a joy it is to know that uh, you wanna be involved in our lives. You wanna be involved in our day-to-day -day, uh, living and, and uh, situations, and, and I just thank you for that, and I pray, God, that as we, as we look at this section, it's really kinda digging in and dealing with our daily lives, that, that Lord, you would give us ears to hear, and, and God, that it would be a time where we can know and understand how great our God is. And Lord, I pray that you would touch each life in here. Lord, some of us need conviction. I pray that would happen. Some of us need encouragement. I pray that would happen. Lord, some of us just need to, that, that just solidifying of the walk we're doing. I pray that would happen. Do a work tonight that only you can do by your spirit. We give you this time and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, you know, in both of the books of Thessalonians, this is probably the most practical uh, place that Paul gets. And, and uh, actually it's one of his longest sections where he's gonna deal with an issue. Uh, and the other longer one is when he deals with the coming of the Lord and what's gonna happen there in the revelation of the Antichrist. So listen, here's what he's gonna talk about. He's gonna talk about our daily life. He's gonna talk about what we should be doing. What does it look like when we're working? What does it look like to others? How do we handle ourselves? What are some of the things we do? And basically, it seems like some of them had even given up working. So he's gonna deal with that whole issue within the church and how that applies to the church. And you know, I find this to me extremely practical because this is where we all live, right? We live a daily life, we have to get by in this life, we have to do things, we have to, we have to occupy ourselves, so we gotta figure out what we're doing and how do we do it. And I believe in this century, currently, I believe the work ethic is kind of going out the window. And I think it needs to be revitalized, and especially as believers. As believers, we have a responsibility to those who employ us and to those who are working alongside to have a good testimony and a good work ethic. So that's what Paul's talking about. And again, it seems like some of them got caught up in this whole idea and he's been dealing with it through both of the letters where they're kind of caught up with the idea, is Jesus coming? Did Jesus forget us? Did Jesus already come? What happened? And some are telling him one thing, some are telling him another thing. And it seems like some of them got to the place where, well, we know he's coming, let's just quit our jobs, and let's sit around and wait for him to show up. That sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> it doesn't work out that way. It's not a good thing. So Paul is going to address that. In verse six, he says, but we command you. So I, you know, if you're a Bible marker, you might underline that. Listen, Paul's not saying, hey, I'm giving you guys a good suggestion, or here's something I would like you to think about. What does he say, man? We command you, right? We command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly, not according to the tradition which he received from us. So Paul is giving them a command, but that command, listen, he says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Paul doesn't use the big title that often. 
And that sounds kind of weird, right? But he doesn't like go full on the Lord Jesus Christ very often in his writings, except when it's really important. And so something is going on in this church that kind of has his attention, and he's saying, what are you guys thinking? Now, some of your translations say that, you, that you know, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't, uh, uh, you should withdraw from every bro- brother who is idle or lazy. Some of the translations have idle, some have lazy. I think disorderly is kind of a little bit better because when you're idle or lazy, you're also disorderly. So it kind of, kind of goes hand in hand. And here's the thing, Paul's already brought this up in chapter five of 1 Thessalonians. If you've been around, we kind of discussed it a little bit there. But now, man, he's settling on this. So number one, he's giving them a command. Number two, he's giving the command to all of us. You know, sometimes in church, and and this is almost like a church discipline thing, and sometimes in church we always think it's up to leadership or pastors or someone who's the head over the ministry to take care of something. Do you notice what he says? He says, brethren, take care of brethren and sistren, right? We need to listen. It's all of our responsibility. It's not just one person's or a group of people. It's everybody's responsibility to be serious about this. Now, as he puts this out, this is a pretty heavy thing. We command you, right, not to walk with those who are disorderly or we might say lazy. He's going to explain it all in a minute. But think about what he's saying. In other words, here's what he's saying. First of all, those who are doing it are brothers or sisters in the Lord. They're believers. He's not saying unbelievers. He's saying we need to take care of our own house, right? So he's saying as brothers and sisters, we should have enough love for somebody maybe to distance ourselves from them because of what they're doing and how they're acting. And I think especially in the workplace. Wow, that's kind of intense, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of hard, it's kind of, and, and I, think, I think it would be very effective if the church would do that, because generally we wanna just not talk about it. We don't wanna do anything about it, we just kinda close our eyes to it, etc. He's saying no, you need to distance yourself. And listen, when you distance yourself from somebody, that person may, oh, what did I do? And then you can have a conversation with them. Now, I think it's always important to have conversations, but listen, he's saying we need to do that, and so this is a command that he's given them, and listen, he's saying they're not doing according to the tradition or the teaching that they receive from us. Now, you have to remember, Paul was there a very, very short time, but he seemed to like cover a whole bunch of stuff in that short time. And he says, hey, we left them with stuff. And then notice he says in verse seven, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. So here's what Paul's saying. You guys ought to know, you know, we set an example. Now remember, part of this is when Paul's planting the church not when he's there permanently, and I'll talk about it for a moment, but he's saying, listen, I came in and I lived a certain way in front of you as an example to you on how you should conduct yourselves as believers. 
Again, Paul planting the church. So he says, we were there, and he says, hey, you know, and here's what he's saying. You know, we weren't lazy when we were there. You know what we did when we were there. And then he makes a statement, right? Now we're gonna kind of get into the nitty-gritty. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. So first of all, Paul said, when we came in to plant the church, we didn't come in looking for handouts. We didn't come in expecting you guys to take care of us. And I think that's important to understand, especially, I think, in church planting. I think in church planting, you don't go to an area and to a, you know, a community and expect to plant a church and expect everybody to take care of you. Paul said, hey, we didn't do that. And I kind of like the idea. Now, some people took it to the extreme. I think if somebody invited Paul out to eat, he didn't go, oh, no, 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 I don't want to go out to eat. I don't think he's doing that. He's saying, listen, when I was there, I made sure I took care of myself. I made sure, well, look at what he says. He says, we didn't eat anybody's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Again, you can look at this and you can study this. And Paul, listen, Paul was a tent maker. It's interesting, the Jews had this whole mentality that no matter what you did, you had to learn a trade as a young person so that through your life you could always support yourself if you had to. Wow, what a concept. It would be good, I think, if we got back to that in our world, in our, and especially in the United States, if we would make young people learn a trade, learn something that you can always fall back on. I came from, quote, a blue-collar family. My dad was a plumber. He worked for the, uh, the, the mining company in, in Bisbee. And my dad taught me that if, uh, and we're going to read it in a little bit, if you want to eat, you got to work. So, you know, he kind of instilled that in me. I got my very first job, kind of a full-time, part-time job, my very first job when I was in the seventh grade. I was sweeping the floor at the beauty college. Best job I ever had. <laughs> and I remember my friends would go, why are you working? because well, I want to eat, that's why. And I just started working, and, and then my dad said, if you always want to have a job, learn a trade. And when we're talking about trades, here's what I'm talking about. Carpenter, plumber, drywaller, someone who works in cement, etc. because here's the thing, no matter where the economy goes, those people are always needed, always. And so learn something. Get yourself a skill and do that. So, what, so the Jews, what did Paul do? In his day, he made tents. That was a big deal, right? Everybody needed a tent, I guess, at one point or another. So Paul, and that's where we get a lot of times you hear people say, I have a tent-making ministry. What they're saying is, I'm working and in, in, in working at a regular, you know, a regular employment as I'm ministering at the same time. And they call it tent making because of Paul. But Paul made tents. He literally made tents. And here's what he said. We labored night and day so that we weren't a burden on you guys. Why? Because he's planting a church. And we need to understand that. He's going in and planting a church. So him, Silas, Timothy. Remember, we talked about those three are together. They're hanging out there in Thessalonica for a few weeks, and yet they were busy doing what they could do to do it. So Paul says, that's what we did. 
And you guys know that. We didn't take food from people. We didn't ask people for things. We didn't expect people to give us things. We were gonna support ourselves and we're gonna make sure that the gospel gets out and we wanted to be an example to everybody here in this community and especially as believers. Now, here's what I think is going on. Some of the believers have got the idea, again, that Jesus is coming soon and they quit their jobs. But as they quit their jobs, here's the problem. Then they expected the church to take care of them. Hmm. And you need to make sure we're okay because it's your responsibility because Jesus did say, feed the poor. And we're gonna talk about that in a moment. And so listen, that was going on in the church. And I think Paul's a little bit miffed. Now, obviously, remember, he's in Corinth making tents as he's ministering there. And he's gotten word about what's going on. He says, you guys didn't learn that from me. Who did you learn it from? Who came in and corrupted you to the point where you think somebody else has to support you for you as you sit and wait for Jesus to come? So kind of rips them there talks about what he's doing, and then he says, listen, we did this so we might not be a burden to you, verse nine, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. Now, I think this is important because, listen, some people take verse nine, and or I'm sorry, verse eight, and they just say we should never pay anybody to do the work of the ministry. People should never be paid. That's not what Paul's talking about. If you look at Paul and look at his life, hey, when he went to the church at Philippi, he expected them to support him. He talked to them about it. It's different when you're in an established church versus when you're planting a church and you're starting it. Two different things. And he says, hey, we could have the authority. As a matter of fact, in Timothy, Paul talks about the fact that you don't uh, muzzle an ox as he's treading out the grain, that the labor's worthy of, of his wages. So listen, he's not here promoting that you never pay somebody. What he's talking about as a missionary, as a church planter, you don't go into a community and tell the community, hey, you need to start supporting me. You set an example to them. And he goes, that's what we did. And again, he says, hey, we had the authority to do things, but we didn't use that authority. So Paul's talking about the fact I came in, I cared about you guys, and I cared about you guys enough not to be a burden on you to make sure you're taken care of and not having to take care of me. And I kind of imagine Paul kind of took care of some of them. And he goes, what happened? I believe, listen, I believe Paul's a little bit dumbfounded. What happened? Now, if you've been with us, I've been talking about Paul like seemed to really like this church. He didn't say much about it. This is, this is as bad as it gets for this church. This is a bad part of this church. And granted, it is a pretty black eye because people are, are, are using other people. And he's saying, I don't understand. How did you guys get here? What took place? And Paul's trying to figure out what did they not learn from me? I told them, and I didn't just tell them, I was an example to them. I made sure they knew exactly my heart in this situation, which my heart was reflecting God's heart. So he lays that out. Now, here's the biggie. Verse 10, 
For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. So when we were with you, here was the command. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Wow, my dad was biblical. <laughs> Had no idea. Now, I think we gotta do a little bit of investigating here and a little bit of explanation because Paul's not talking about people who are unable to work. It's a big difference. There are some who are not capable of working. That's not who he's talking about. Jesus told us, make sure those people are taken care of. Make sure we care about them. So, so I, want, I want to be clear on that. We don't, we don't go out there and, and, and tell everybody, how come you're, some people are not capable. And they may not be capable because of some mental illness. We don't know what's going on in their lives. But what he's talking about is able body stable people in the fellowship. Listen, he's talking about in the fellowship who have quit working and who expect everybody else to take care of them. Now we live in a culture, in a society that is so entitled about everything. And all of us, listen, some of us shaking our heads, we are even entitled, those of us who get this idea that somebody owes me something and we kind of start living that way and kind of start taking advantage of things and looking at things and you know, how many of you, well, I'm not gonna get into it. I was gonna say something, but I won't. But we, we live that way, and here's what's bad. Then it starts creeping into the church. And then sometimes we think, well, you know, why isn't the church doing this for me? Well, because you can get a job, that's why. You can work. I'm amazed right now of all of the places I go that have little signs up, hey, we will hire you right now. How many places just have even that? We'll hire you right now. Rudolfo's, they'll hire you right now, especially if you're bilingual. If you need a job, listen, if you need a job, there you go, man, you can make some bean and cheese burritos. Mm. Ah. What time is it? Yeah, we got time because they close at eight. And if some of you would go to work there, they could close at nine or 10. But anyway, no, I'm just amazed at the places I see. Almost any place you go, they're willing to hire. So it's not an issue there aren't jobs. I get it, and sometimes when the economy gets into place, there's no jobs to be had, but there's jobs. And here's what he's saying, man. If you wanna, if you wanna eat, you need to work. Now, here's what sort of blows my mind. This isn't just a new thing. For homework, read Genesis chapter one and chapter two. In Genesis chapter two, God takes Adam and he puts him in a garden and what does he tell him? Sit back, kick back because you're an entitled individual and all of the food is gonna come to you. What does he tell him? Tend the garden, take care of the garden. Listen, because we sometimes as Christians we have this idea and I hear some people say that, well you know, because we have to work, that's the curse. No, it's not. It's not the curse. Working God, you know, God gave Adam work to do, and I like what I think it's Tony Evans said. He gave him a job before he gave him a wife. It's something you might want to file away for your daughter. Right? He gave him a job, then he gave him a wife. But he did, hey, so working's not a curse. The curse is that working is a drag sometimes. That's the curse. It's gonna be difficult, it's gonna be hard, you're gonna have weeds. But listen, 
I believe, I believe our working and our jobs, our vocation, whatever you want to call it, is a gift from God. And when you begin to look at where you're at and God placed you there and it's a gift from him, it's kind of easy to go to work. But when you start looking at it as a drag, I hate this job, I hate this place. You know, hey, if you've ever told me that, you know what my pat answer is, then quit and get another job. And I think it's important, listen, I think it's important, I wrote down some ethics on work that I think are important if I can find them. They went away. So here's some things I think, I think we need to have as we're working. And I know all of this is going along with eating, but listen, first of all, I think we need to have respect for the authority over us. You need to respect your, your superiors in your job. You need to understand that you need to have that. Second, I think you need to be a self-starter. You shouldn't have to have somebody always sitting over you. Are you gonna do this? Are you gonna do this? Are you gonna do this? You need somebody, you take, you take initiative and you do it on your own. For, thirdly, I think you have to have that commitment to excellence. You need to do what you're doing as though you're doing it for the Lord. And then some people, and you guys, if you've been here anytime, you know, some people tell me, well, I think my boss is Satan incarnate. Well, then quit if that's how you feel about him. But you should, do it as, you should do what you're doing as though you're doing it for the Lord because technically you are. Hey, I'm, I'm hardcore, I do not believe, it bothers me when people say, I have my spiritual life and I have my secular life or my worldly life. That's not biblical. Everything we do is spiritual. And here's what Paul's point is, it's spiritual. Oh, and then the last thing I have here is there just needs to be some good old-fashioned honesty going on. So listen, you get a job, you maintain a job, and as you do your job, it should be an example to everyone, whether it's your boss, your employer, or your coworkers of what a Christian looks like. I think, listen, I think we should leave behind this fragrance of Christ wherever we go. And as we work, we need to do that. And I think, listen, I think it's important to have that strong, strong work ethic in the world that we live in, especially in the world that we live in right now. We need to do that and we need to understand that we need to know we have a responsibility and then I don't see too much, and you know, this isn't so much for our fellowship. I don't see too many people here saying, hey, I don't wanna work anymore. You need to feed me, you need to take care of me. I've had a couple people, and when, hey, sometimes some young people kinda get this like romanticized idea that, you know, just start paying me, and I don't wanna do anything. And I, I generally talk to them, and I tell them, hey, knock it off, and go get a job. Go get a job someplace. You know, there's a, there was a ministry years ago. I remember this guy told me that he always, when people wanted to come and, and join, he was doing some work in Mexico, and when people wanted to come and join his, his mission, first of all, he said he always looked for fat people. And I thought, that's kind of weird. Why do you want to hire, or, you know, work with fat people? And he goes, oh, fat people, according to, I think it's 2 Timothy chapter one, those who are faithful, available and teachable. Oh, that fat. So listen, and then he would do this. They would show up and it would go, okay, we're ready and here's what he would do. 
And he was out of, I think he was uh, centered in San Antonio, Texas. He, he said, move here, get a job, and start fellowshipping with us. And you keep that job for one year. And then we'll talk about you joining the mission. Oh, some good insight into that. Can you keep a job for a year? Can you stay in one place for a year without getting mad and, and angry? Even if it's, you know, quote, what some people call menial work. I, I, I don't like that term. I think everything that we do, every job we get can be done unto the Lord. And I don't think there's nothing, that's not good grammar, but I don't think there's anything menial about it. I think it's important to do. So listen, Paul says if you want to eat, again, if you want to eat, you got to work. I just find that, you know, I'm thinking, wow. And sometimes we need to tell people that. And we need to be loving enough to tell those who are not willing to do it that they need to do it. And then, you know, in America, this is gonna get, well, no, I won't even go there. Well, maybe I will. I'm wrestling really in my head because sometimes we treat work like it's not a good thing. It should be a good thing. And sometimes some of us think, I wanna get out of this job as soon as I can. I'm gonna retire at 50 or whatever. Well, if your job's that miserable, maybe you're in the wrong place. People, some people are asking me, and not just, I don't think they're trying to get rid of me. Maybe they are, I don't know. But, you know, hey, are you thinking about retiring and, and stuff? And, and, you know, it's coming up more and more, I think, because of the hair. <laughs> and so people will talk to me about that. And, and, you know, here's the thing. I love what I'm doing. And I love doing it. And what I'm doing is not a job. It's a calling, and I think that's important, but listen, I think all of us should look at whatever we're doing as that. If we start looking at it as a calling, this is where God has called me at this time to do this thing, even if it's rolling burritos at, at, at Rudolfo's, this is what God has called me to do. I'm gonna be the best burrito roller they have ever seen, and I'm gonna do it well, and I'm gonna enjoy it. Yeah, that's what it's about. So here's, here's what Paul's saying. We need to have that attitude. So listen, he gets a little bit further, so we're gonna push this a little bit further. And then verse 11, he says, listen, if you don't wanna work, you're not gonna eat. And then verse 11 says, for we hear that there are some who walk among you in disorderly or a lazy or, you know, not busy manner, not working at all, but are busy bodies. Oh, 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 here's the crux of what Paul is getting at. Listen, and in the original language, it's a little bit better. It's saying they're not busy, but they're busy being busy in your business or busy being unbusy in your business. And he says, listen, they're, they, they're, they're not willing to work, but man, they can sure sit around and talk about things. And it can be busybodies. I, I saw this plaque. We were someplace. I don't know where we were. And in some shop. And there was this plaque. I think I've mentioned it before. And, and it's like my favorite plaque. I didn't buy it, but I wanted to. And it says, I found your nose. It's in my business. How great is that? Oh, someone. You have it? Really? Oh, <laughs> I think she put it there so every time I see it, I, but yeah, you know, listen, whoops, I knew I saw it someplace. <laughs> listen, how good is that though when you think about, listen, and here's what Paul says, 
When you're not busy, you become a busy body. And I have found the people who complain the most are the people who have the most time on their hands because they're not doing anything. When you're hardworking and you're busy and you're going, you don't have time to complain. You're just busy about doing what God has called you to do and you're going hard. Hey, when we sit around and, you know, and, and a lot of it, like right now, it sort of just blows my mind what's going on with people in handouts and different things. But listen, man, you start getting on that train and pretty soon all you're gonna be is somebody who all you're doing is complaining and, and you're bitter and you're bickering and you're doing that. Now, I think that's a bad thing and especially, listen, especially in a fellowship, there's nothing worse than somebody who's a busybody in the fellowship. So we need to understand that. Listen, that's not a good thing. Now, how do we remedy that? How do we take care of that? We, right? Usens. How do we take care of that? Listen to what he says once again. He says now, Verse 12, so there, he mentioned the busybodies. Now, those who are such, we command and exhort through the Lord Jesus Christ. There he's taking that full big name again, right? The Lord Jesus Christ, he says, listen, we command that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. So first of all, you might tell those people, you need a job. Go right across, like just a you know, few yards away, Roll some burritos. Right there. You need a job because you're being a busybody. You're being, you're complaining, you're arguing, you don't like anything. And then he says, listen, he says that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But it's for you, brethren, do not grow weary in well-doing. So here's what he's saying, man. You don't look at them and then decide, I'm going to quit working. Don't do that. And that's hard sometimes, isn't it? It's difficult. Well, man, if they're going to do that, then I'm going to do that. That's kind of our culture. Well, then if they're going to take advantage, I'll take advantage. And then I'll do this. And then I'll start doing this. And then pretty soon we go, and everybody doing it, nobody doing anything. And he says, don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep going forward. Keep serving. And I think, you know, especially, I think, I think especially in ministry, sometimes, man, sometimes it gets hard. And you got to keep going. Don't grow weary. Don't get to the place where you, get, where you get cynical and you get hard and you get difficult to be around. Because listen, just like a busybody, somebody who's cynical and hard to be around is just as bad. He says, don't do that. So don't grow weary. And then, listen, he says, and, verse 14, if anybody does not obey our word. Okay, so are you listening? Here's the thing. What has he just said? Tell them to get a job, bottom line, right? Tell them to start working and be quiet. And I think we could tell somebody that nicely. You could say, you need a job. And you need to just go get a job and start working and start doing something. Be productive in our culture. So he says, listen, now, if they don't, he says, if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Listen, just like separate yourself. And some people are going, I couldn't do that. Really, you don't love them enough to let them know? Listen, now, I don't think he's saying you just, you know, walk away from somebody. I think he says you talk to them. You have a conversation with somebody. But if they don't want to do what the right thing is to do, you 
distance yourself. You bring some separation. And that doesn't, listen, that doesn't always mean from the top. It means all of us. We need to do this with one another. We need to care about one another enough to do this. And he says, listen, you separate yourself, but here's the important thing. Yet, verse 15, because I think this is, don't, don't forget this part. Do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Oh, see, you don't treat them like they're some unbeliever. You treat them like they're a brother in the Lord, and you begin to have that conversation as a brother. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Why are you doing that? And you don't just use those terms when you can't remember somebody's name. It should be, you know, something that you really care about. I care about you. And why are you slipping into this? Why are you doing this? Why are you feeling you should be entitled to this when you are perfectly capable of going out and doing something productive? And I've noticed that all you're doing is, and you're angry and you're bitter and you're not happy. So why don't you stop doing that? And he says, listen, then if they don't listen to you, you just take a step away. And here's the thing, so that as a brother, they'll feel ashamed. Because as you step away, here's what often happens. Hey, what's going on? Why'd you step away? Well, because you're not working. And you're just a bitter person. And you're not fun. I don't like being around negative people. Like, have you ever been around those people that just suck every ounce of life out of you? It's just like at the end of the day, you go. And you're going, man, they are, they, they can suck life out of a turnip. You know, and you're just going, this is hard, difficult. And hey, I don't like that. So distance yourself and just tell them. Be honest with them. Because here's the thing. You need to understand something. We don't do these things to condemn or to put a person down. Why do we do them? Restoration. It's always about restoration. It's always about getting them back on the right track with the Lord so they come back and they have that dynamic, good relationship with the Lord. So he says, here's what we do. We need to do this. And I think, listen, I think we need to practice this as a fellowship. Now, listen, don't start like everybody like, I'm not talking to you anymore because. But if you know somebody that's doing that, have a conversation with them then separate yourself from them. You don't need to tell everybody that you're separating yourself from them because now you're falling into that sort of trap. But listen what he says, man. He says, so that that brother is ashamed and you admonish him as a brother. Now, verse 16, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way and the Lord be with you all. Now that's kind of sweet, isn't it? I like this because this is, kind of, this is kind of a heavy message because it's hitting where we live. It's getting right into our, our homes and our lives and kind of, kind of like upsetting the apple cart, if you will, a little bit. And he says, hey, you know, here's what you need to remember. The Lord of peace the one who brings peace, right? Jesus came and died on the cross for peace, to bring peace, to cease the hostility that's going on, but greater than that, to give us that peace in our hearts that only he can give. And he says, man, may he give you that even more. And I love this. Give you peace in every way. And then I love this, every way, and the Lord be with you all, every way, everybody. Let's remember that. Let's remember 
This one who saved us, this one who cares for us. And then Paul like puts this last little bit in there and he says, listen, this salutation of Paul, uh, the salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a sign in every epistle, so I write. So here's what Paul's saying. I ended this myself. So evidently he would use somebody to write his letters right, and have them write everything. And I think because he probably was pacing like crazy and, and doing stuff with his hands and he couldn't write, so he's kind of got that, that person doing that. And then he says, but he always takes the pen and makes sure, especially to the Thessalonians, why? Because they've gotten some letters that were supposedly written by Paul. So now here's what you do, you compare the handwriting. Oh, that one's not from Paul. So he says, I sign that and then, and then, he ends, he started with grace, and he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. Now here's an interesting thing in the end of this. Usually when Paul ends a letter, he would say something like, you know, in verse 16, may the Lord of peace himself give you, uh, uh, give you uh, peace always in every way, the Lord be with you. And then in verse 16, he might say, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. But here's an interesting thing in this letter. He says, be with you all. Both times he says all, not just with you, but with you all, making it a little bit more personal, but also making it, I want every one of you to experience this. And that's the heart of a pastor. I, you know, I want everybody, listen, I want everybody to love the Lord with their entire heart. I want everybody to be uh, so caught up with Jesus that he's their everything in every way in everything they do. That's my heart, and I want it for all, not just for a few. I don't want just the, like, you know, some of you, I'll point over here, some of you over here, I want that to happen. But over here, you guys just chill, take it easy. I want everybody and that's what Paul's saying, all. Both times he says all. Now, I think it has something to do with what was going on in Thessalonica and, and, and how they were being invaded and how a few of them had separated themselves out. Now, listen, I don't think we've got people separating themselves out here and, and doing the let's don't work thing. I don't know, maybe we do. But I, I, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, rapid th- a rampant thing here. And after this weekend, it won't be here at all. But having said that, I think all of us can take a little bit closer look at the work that we do and how do we do it and what is our heart in it? What is our motivation in it? Listen, I think we should understand God has given you that place and you need to, you need to be so thankful and so happy and you know what if God hasn't given it to you then you need to move on again there's lots of jobs right right over here you can roll some burritos be as happy as a little lark people we need to honor God no matter what we're doing and no matter where we're at let's stand up and pray Father I do thank you I thank you for just the the word here, this exhortation. And I thank you that it causes all of us to just stop and examine ourselves, look at ourselves. It's not just people who 
have a position in the church. It's not just people who are outside of the church. It's for all of us. And it's not just when we're around believers how we act. It's how we, how we act in the places we live. The day-to-day life, we want you, God, to be involved in every aspect of our life. And especially, I think, of where we generally spend a lot of time, that's in the workplace. So I do pray that we would take this to heart and we would be men and women, God, who honor you in our workplace. No matter where it's at, no matter what we're doing, that Lord, we would honor you. And you would be glorified. And I pray most of all, we wouldn't be people who, uh, start, who get in that aspect of, of just hating work and despising work and thinking all I want to do is get out of this, that, Lord, that you would change those hearts tonight. And I want you all to stay in an attitude of prayer just for a couple more uh, minutes here. And you know what? If you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, if you've never asked him to, to come into your life and to change you, Tonight's the night to do it. Right now is the time to do it. You didn't come here by accident. The Lord brought you here, and now you have that opportunity for your life to be changed forever. So if you want to take that step, a couple things you need to realize. Number one, if you're going to take that step, you have to come to the place where you know and you realize and you admit that you're a sinner. That's the very first step you have to do. you got to get there. And I know for some of us, listen, I believe all of us know we've sinned, but I believe for all of us to admit that and, and be honest about that, it's kind of a difficult thing. But that's where you have to start. And then there's gotta be some sorrow, there's gotta be some regret for your sin, that you have sinned against a perfect and holy and righteous and good God. That has to take place. And then if you do that, that's kind of, kind of the, the bad news and listen your sin separates you from God that's what the Bible says that's when it says the wages of sin is death that means you're separated from God the good news is Jesus Christ came and, came and died on the cross to take that punishment you deserve the eternal wrath of God but also that separation and restore that relationship that's what he did and so now listen for you he holds out this this receipt that says your debt is paid in full you're taken care of and all you have to do is take that from his hand and tonight you'll be born again and your life will start new so if you want that tonight I'm going to lead you in a prayer and you can say this prayer with me out loud or you can say it silently, but it's gotta come from your heart. You need to be sincere. If you're backslidden, man, come home. Come back to Jesus tonight. I know if you're here and you're backslidden, the Holy Spirit's working on you. Just let him, listen, let him have his way in your heart. Say this prayer with us. If you're watching online and you're, you're in your home, you can say that prayer right where you're at. Just call on the name of the Lord and he will answer this prayer. Jesus Tonight, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And tonight, I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And I want to thank you 
for your forgiveness. I want to thank you for dying for me. And right now I want you to come into my heart and change me. I want you to come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.